You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. In this episode, we are going to talk about The Spanish Prisoner. It came out in 1997. It was written and directed by David Mamet and starred Campbell Scott, Ben Gazzara, Rebecca Pigeon, Steve Martin, Rick Jay, and a young Felicity Huffman. The DP was Gabriel Bernstein, who is known for... The DP is Gabriel Bernstein, who also did the 2008 Iron Man, the 2014 Guardians of the Galaxy, The Suicide Squad, and Thor Ragnarok. Do you sense a theme? Yeah, but this is not a superhero film. It is, it is far from a superhero film. <laughs> the synopsis for this film is an employee of a corporation with a lucrative secret process is tempted to betray it, but there's more to it than that. The tagline for this film, I have four taglines for you and okay, Udo to choose four, from. Four. Who can you trust with a billion dollar idea? Not good. Okay. Not since The Firm has one movie had you trusting so few and guessing so much. Guessing so much, definitely, but yeah, not feeling it. Can you really trust anyone? <laughs> Delightful, but that has nothing to do with the film. <laughs> and lastly... It's the oldest con in the book. Okay, that is closer to advertising the film. Absolutely. Although I will say that it's not a con, it's a heist. Because they, never, they don't trick him into giving him the process, they just steal it from him. So it's not a con. The process. So let's, let's kick it off with your pickup line and then let's get into the process. The pickup line is, what is the purpose of your trip, please? Not bad, Right. Well, like the movie, it's a little like vague and right. Well, he's taking a trip to some island in the Caribbean. Yes, and plot-wise, the purpose of the trip is to introduce him to Cl Jimmy. So, eh, right, you know, kind of tracks a little. Right. So that first scene, we hear a lot about the process. Oh my gosh, it was uh, okay. So I think Mamet knows his way around a typewriter, but. <laughs> They said the process so much, it was almost like it was a joke on whose line is it anyway? I know. I wanted the counter that it yes, sometimes Yes, at the happened. bottom of the screen. Mm -hmm. How many times does he say, or how does, how many times does anyone say the process? But the pronoun it is easier to type than the process and sounds more natural. So they kept saying the process so often, it, it really took me out of the film. Yeah. Is, is Mamet known for like comedy? Like, was it, was it trying to be Funny? Well, the thing I thought of is he's known for, because he's written plays, mm -hmm. in his films, he's very exacting. He wants people mm -hmm. to say exactly the lines as he's written them. Mm -hmm. And normally with a Mammoth film, that makes sense. And here, this, the process, the process, the process. Oh, yeah. David, I'm sorry. Yes. So immediately for me, I was confused from so word I, one. I was very confused, uh, which is perhaps intentional. Mm -hmm. I happen to know because of the taglines and other things that it was a con or heist movie. Right. But, so I was suspicious of everything in that sense. When things didn't make any sense, I thought, oh, well, this is part of the con, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But even to the very end, and I will say that the ending felt very much like a deus ex machina with... Mm -hmm. 
the way it turned out, I was just like, how did all of those people be in the right place at the right time? It kind of didn't make any sense to me at all, Mm -hmm. other than the writer wants to wrap this up. But even though I knew we were in a con, I still kind of didn't understand. And then when they explained at the end how kind of how the con was done, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like at the end of The Sting or Ocean's Eleven where I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally cool. It was like, that doesn't really seem like it makes sense. How would they do what? No, huh? I was super super suspicious from the beginning of Rebecca Pigeon's character, Susan Ricci, because she kept kind of like repeating herself or speaking in a way that it just seemed like, is she supposed to be, I don't know what, what the word is, but it was almost like she was, her character was speaking to the audience or trying to give us clues, but I never could figure out really what I, I couldn't figure anything out. <laughs> yeah, she did. Her dialogue was a little bit odd in two ways. One way that you mentioned there is it almost felt like little Susie was delivering some exposition, but also it, it was strangely aggressive in some yes. sense. Yes. And there is a line when Joe visits, I think her at her apartment above a bakery or what have you. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'd like you to have for dinner or dinner and breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is so forward. <laughs> it just didn't even make any sense. It didn't, to me, land as like a common like waka waka. Um, and I would think Joe's a smart guy. And of course, if you look like Campbell Scott, maybe people offer to sleep with you all the time. But I felt like with the process, the process, the process, he would be suspicious of this coworker or secretary, or somehow she was at his firm who suddenly wanted to literally jump his bones. I, I kept looking for clues and not really ever <laughs> getting them. Right. So I have here under the trivia, I say the con game run in this movie is not the Spanish prisoner in that con in that con, as Ed O'Neill explains, It involves the story of an imprisoned wealthy person, and if the mark provides the money to bribe them out of prison, then the mark will be richly rewarded. In modern times, this is the source of the common Nigerian prince scam. Besides resembling a long con employing a big store and other sophisticated props, the con depicted in this movie is simply to entice the mark, Campbell Scott, to remove the process, quote unquote, the process from his from its secure location to where it could be pilfered with no promise reward of any kind. That was what we said. And so let me finish this thing from IMDb. It says in this sense, it's more of an elaborate heist, like you said, not a con at all. So he kept going along with with people who wronged him. And it was like he was never Like, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And it felt like he was never learning his lesson. So here's a person that's supposed to be so smart that he thought of a process that no other country (laughs) could think of, right? Totally. Yet he seemed to be a complete rube. Yeah. And so some part of it, I say, okay, well, you see the classic boffin with no street smarts. But yes, after people like went through stuff. But even back at the very, very beginning, uh-huh. when Jimmy says, here's this this package, would you deliver it to my sister? sister? Yeah. Just put it in the post. 
There's no reason for right. him to hand carry that. Right. There, yeah, and, there, and he didn't even say like, well, why can't you just mail it to her? Or you right. live in the city. This person and he, I just met the other day, like literally less than 24 hours previously. And it was this, this weird, like, oh, it's my sister. But yeah, that didn't even make any sense. So, okay, maybe they're trying to establish that Camel Scott's character, Joe, was high IQ, low wisdom, just a complete boob. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I kind of feel <laughs> <That> like sigh. <laughs> I kind of feel like it wouldn't have been able to. And then the whole this whole thing with there's only one copy of the process in the book. I mean, I guess by the premise, by the bit, but I, I can't imagine any modern company saying like, oh, sure. Okay. This employee can have the only copy of this super secret thing. That's generally not right. how that works. Especially, I mean, this is what I say, 97, this is, you know, computers exist, like for corporations. Yeah. All of that was kind of a hilarious prop, the computer that Jimmy had, which is supposed to be some highfalutin computer, but yeah, yeah. They, right. So, and the whole kind of way that his office was run, like it was Mad Men era. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just, it really didn't kind of add up to me. Right. So, I do want to say I did. I'm going to try to focus on the things I did like about this film. It near the two thirds in, I feel maybe it was about halfway. Steve Martin is showing a picture of him and his sister. Yes. And so the sister's identity has been hidden uh, for a while. And I believe Campbell, I can't remember if that's before or after he saw a woman. So Steve picks up this photograph in a frame and so the audience is like, oh, we're going to get to see what the sister looks like. And, you know, we're always in filmmaking when we make films trying to hide the light in reflective surfaces. Mm-hmm. And this is where they use the light because the glare from the key light, because it was a hot light, mm-hmm. went right over the sister's face. And I, I mean, I just thought, oh, that's brilliant. Well, how many takes did that take for Steve Martin to hold it at the exact right angle? Cause that, you know, that's tough to do. Right. But that bumped me though, because the angle of the camera is different than the angle of, of Campbell Scott. So Joe would have seen the, the face, but so why do that? Well, was it just so the audience didn't see did in yeah, the, what, what is that? What does the, it matter if the audience sees a, a picture of his fake sister? Well, cause now like later when we see the old lady and they say, yeah, that's Mrs. Whoever. Then we, Jimmy Dell, that's Mrs. I don't think they called her Mrs. Dell. She must have gotten married. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, (laughs) um, uh, so talking about the things that, that let's talk about the things we liked. We liked. So I I actually generally liked, uh, is it Rebecca Pigeon? It's Mammoth's wife. She plays Susan. Susan. Uh huh. I liked her work in state and Maine Mm -hmm. and I, I feel like, you know, she's, she's good on the screen. Mm-hmm. Campbell Scott, again, he played it very stoic, which I think me- matches the character, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to have a lot of EQ or a lot of um, engagement, right? Joie de vivre. No, you're right. He is kind of, because where I first was introduced was Dying Young with Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. And he, he, I mean, it's a romantic comedy and she falls in love with him. And he's not like Richard Gere Charming, like from pretty woman he's it's like a quiet but he is i guess he's very attractive but he is a little bit of a dud he didn't didn't have a lot of of 
but I, I really do like his acting like because I've seen him in stuff lately. He's usually playing like a, a cop or a lawyer or not a cop, but like a detective mm-hmm, and a lawyer mm-hmm. or different things. Anyway, sorry. Sidebar. So it was a um, it, it's a less comedic role for Steve Martin, uh, although I have to be honest, it was difficult to watch this without realizing it was Steve Martin. And I was actually thinking of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels <laughs> with Steve <laughs> totally. and, and Michael Caine. Right. Um, and because it's kind of the rich guy on a tropical island, I, I just, that's where my mind went. So that would have been a much more entertaining film to watch, but there's a reason we picked this one for this month. Right. So. And I will say to our listeners, who boy, this, this month's going to be hard. I am going to fall out of my chair if y'all get this one. Without looking at our social media. Yeah. I mean, but even then, I don't know. But um, <laughs> just, yeah, without, it would be very, very difficult to do. This is like a Doug Benson, Edgar Wright level. By the way, this was Mike's idea. This is my idea. Awesome. I forgot this was my <laughs> idea. So I'm taking credit for it. Haha, I did this to all of you. So I, I thought the production value was good. Yeah. Right. And the, the different parts were like the sets were believable or it bumped me was when uh, they showed like, oh, that set was really supposedly this thing that Jimmy and his friends had dressed up. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it just didn't seem like it was the same space. Well, like, okay, so I read in the trivia that they used a lot of signage. And I could, I don't know if it was overt, like, hey, audience, we're going to give you a great big clue here. Like, for example, I can't, I think near the beginning of, no, the, the beginning of the film. Anyway, when Steve Martin's character asks him to take the package, apparently there's a sign in the airport that says don't accept packages. And they do like a yeah. zoom in on it. Yeah. And then I thought it was at the beginning of the film is a sign that says someone talked or something. And so they were saying that the signage was used to kind of give the audience clues. I don't know. I don't know if it worked. Yeah. Um, this is one of those films where I, I think the the title makes me feel like it started out with the Spanish prisoner con and then it just somehow morphed through the production, the writing and the production, and it just never kind of found its way. So for 1997, I, and I think Mamet is pretty, I think he's kind of keeps a low profile. Okay. I scoured. For interviews of him talking about this film. And I could not find any. I couldn't really find Steve Martin talking about it. I mean, I don't think that me. I don't know. I just, it was surprising to me that I couldn't find, you know, I'm always searching for, okay, explain this to me. Right. So I made a note under cinematography that there is a close up of the bolt on the darkroom door. And what that mostly reminded me of was my very own close up of a light in the ceiling on the elevator. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was covering an edit or something, right? Right. And, and, and maybe that's it, right? Maybe just when, when they got in the edit bay and they looked at the footage and like, it just didn't come together like Mammoth saw it in his head, right? Right. And sometimes it happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, and that's why I started, I was thinking like, did this one, did, was there a producer that kind of threw around their weight and sure, thought, yeah. I know, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah. Okay. Did they secretly have Michael Jackson in? They had to cut all those scenes and it didn't make any sense. I don't know. Right. So um, to stay on the positive. On the positive. <laughs> but did this film have some of our classic categories? Was there head trauma in this film? I made no note of head trauma. Okay. Was there any romance? Did we get a smoochie? 
Smoochie, smoochie, smoochie. Um, no smoochies recorded by this oh reporter. Oh my gosh. Oh. Even though Susan really tried to smooch Joe. Yeah, I mean, and it more. wasn't a rom-com. Nope. But you would think with Susan's character, she either would have made out with Campbell or, or like Felicity Huffman. Like, why didn't she fall in love with Campbell Scott? Well, I would have expected the Susan character. I mean, she did try very she hard to sleep very, with him, but yeah. he, he's apparently not interested. <laughs> How about a driving review? Okay. So there was a little bit here. So our first clue that they're not in the U.S. is there's a Mercedes-Benz 280 as a taxi. No place in the U.S. uses Mercedes for taxis. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. outside the U.S., they're ubiquitous. They're like Fords. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. But during the, the scene where uh, Joe or Jimmy is supposedly shopping for a high-end car, there's a 1948 Lagonda 2.6 liter, which is perhaps the only Lagonda in the movies. Never heard of one of those before. Never seen one. I'm sure that uh, Wayne Carrillo from Chasing Classic Cars is spitting his coffee out right now and knows all about them. But that's a car we never see in the movie. So that was interesting. But the highlight has to be there's a 1959 green Studebaker Scotsman truck that is in the driveway and where Joe and Jimmy have an argument with uh, across it, across the hood, basically. And it's a great prop to have in the middle of that argument. Really enjoyed that. Uh, Shall we go to the numbers? Let's go to the numbers. All right. The budget for this film was $10 million, and that's exactly what it made domestically. And worldwide, it only brought in 13.8. And that so that includes the domestic. So they only got less than $4 million from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And in, adjusted for inflation today, that would be like 19.8. So if you throw in, I don't know if marketing costs were as high in 97, but this was not a successful film, which I had never heard of it. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the studio probably did put a lot of advertising on this one. Right. IMDb gives it a 7.2 out of 10 and Rotten Tomatoes gives it uh, critics given it 89% and audiences are only a little bit less than that at 81%. I know. And I did find in my research an episode of Siskel and Ebert and they were talking about it and they both loved it and said it was like the best film of the year. What? I know. I know. I okay. don't. I don't. Did, did we get some sort of weird cut? <laughs> we got punked. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's the Spanish con. <laughs> okay. I hope all of our listeners find the version that Siskel and Ebert watched. <laughs> okay. Um, it's just under two hours at an hour and 50 minutes. It's rated PG. It is listed as a drama mystery thriller, which it was, I would say. Yeah. Magnolia Films is the studio that brought it to us. And Mammoth was nominated for a best for best screenplay at the independent spirit awards. Yeah. So see, I'm a missing, lot of people liked it other than us. <laughs> I'm missing something. I just feel like I missed something that other people responded to. I know. Yeah. yeah the filming locations, uh, Florida subbed in for, I think a Caribbean mm-hmm. Island and New York boss and New York and Boston were the other two locations. Mm. So we watched it on Peacock for free. So that was a plus. <laughs> so we picked this one because it fit in with our theme theme. so that's what happened there this was episode 112 we hope that uh send us in what you guys if you've ever seen this movie please tell us like if we miss something please share with us what we missed and never forget dodges never stop and neither do the movies 
Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies. 